0: Hello and welcome, everybody, to the Father, the Daughter, and the Holy Podcast. Join my father and I as we discuss relevant and meaningful ideas and values inspired by the weekly Torah portion. Our goal is to open our discussion to you in the hopes that it will give you something to think and reflect on, as well as be another interesting conversation that you can have with your family, friends, and peers. So, let's delve right in. Hello and welcome everybody. We're so excited to start this new episode. What are we going to be talking about today?
1: Today, inspired by the time of year and also the parsha reading, we're going to be talking about justice. Hmm. What is justice? And more than a philosophical question about what is justice, um, it's more like, why should we care deeply about justice? like why do we not get excited about it if i said to you justice you know like what what is the first wh- what is your emotional reaction to that when i speak of justice
0: justice for me is already there's there's something very gratifying for me when i hear justice i'm like yes
1: that's your first reaction
0: it it's like a yes that that lets consequences
1: <laughs> Can you get excited about that <clears throat> consequences?
0: Well, for the most part, when people talk about justice, it usually has to do with other people, which leaves me off the hook. So which is easier mm. than to get excited.
1: Justice for all. <laughs> justice for all except, except for me. me. <laughs> mm. um,
0: but um, yeah, like there, mm. if, if to be more, more inclusive as well as from my, from my own perspective, when I think of justice on myself, then that's a little nerve wracking. Because justice is consequences. That that to me, in my mind, is what it means. Justice is um, consequences that are that are true, like real mm. consequences. Because there, I think that's the difference then between justice and punishment. Or I think when parents talk about about it a lot, between teaching their kids consequences and punishment is very different. Um, well,
1: because punishment could be arbitrary. Exactly. But okay, but. We're getting ahead of ourselves. But but you already opened up like a whole bunch of things that I think will take our whole time today. Um, justice for me and justice for others. So a person will say, justice for me, I mean, I didn't do anything wrong, so I'm not thinking about justice for me. But if I had to, it would be like, woo, not very happy about that. So that's a good place to start because we're... You know, working our way through this month of preparation for the day of justice, the day of Rosh Hashanah, which is the beginning of the year for the Jewish calendar. And it begins with the day of justice, the day of Din, the day of justice. And there, when you put it in that framework, we're mostly talking about personal justice, which means <clears throat> how do I account for my actions? So that's interesting in and of itself, because the Jewish idea of justice is not justice for all except for me. It starts with you. It's the other way around. Kshot Kshot acherim. The statement goes that you must justify yourself. And when I say justify, I don't mean like, you know, you need to justify your existence, but you mean you need to be just about yourself with regards to yourself first. You need to be honest about yourself. You need to be consistent. Like you said, the idea of justice is that there are consequences in life and you have to be consequential about what you do. Right? And then, maybe, you can be in a position of doing the same for others. That's the beginning of the Parsha. Shoftim Vishotrim. this week's Parsha, is the first Parsha, really, that normally coincides with the beginning of the month of preparation for the Day of Justice, for the Day of Rosh Hashanah is the mitzvah of having uh, courts and a justice system. It's a special justice system. Now, the Torah also believes that the justice system is one of the seven Noahide laws that applies to the whole, all of humanity. So we're talking about a universal value of justice that mm-hmm. starts, you know, we believe, it started with the Torah.
0: It, it sounds like logical to me, though, that when we talk about justice, then it it obviously starts on you first because otherwise it would be a little bit hypocritical um, in general, especially if you're saying that you have to set up courts of justice. I'm saying who how could someone who judges be be in a place where he can judge others without, without judging himself? Meaning there has to be a very reciprocal, very no-one-is-left-out system. Otherwise, the justice in itself would be perverted.
1: Right, for sure. The thing, is, the thing is, the reason why it doesn't... It rings a little hollow, what we're saying, is because it's not. It's, we're not explaining the difference between the system of the religious system, which is justice for me, right? Which means, my own personal justice means... Um, <clears throat> how do I square vis-a-vis my responsibilities? Now, in, in the justice civil system, the civic law, the the, the, the justice, for the most part, which is not religious law, means, have you been a good citizen? You can do whatever you want in your own personal life, but as long as you don't bother anybody else, basically. right? So when you put it in that framework, it doesn't really... What does that mean, justice onto myself, like, what? you know, I didn't do anything, like, oh, maybe I, I didn't pay a speeding ticket, you know what I'm saying, like, what, you're not, you're not thinking about, you know, you haven't done any real misdemeanors, you know, you pay taxes, you know, you do your things, you can get off very easily without thinking, but, oh, those guys that are, like, antisocials who are committing crime, we want justice, right, for, for that, because we have to maintain a society, and, of course, in general, the idea of justice in the Torah is that. The idea of justice for all, for all of, the, uh, of humanity, is that there should be a way, there should be checks and balances in a society so that society can be maintained, so that there could be peace, there could be order, there could be general expectations for how people need to act in order so that they can get along with each other. Not just everybody does whatever they want, right? Mm-hmm. So that's social order. That's why we need justice, right? But the religious idea of justice is your responsibility that goes beyond that, your responsibility to God, You're you're much more of a heightened responsibility to yourself and to others. So nobody's going to penalize you for gossiping in a court, but in a religious system, gossiping is wrong, right? You could have caused even damage to somebody else, but it's not damage that's punitive, it's... You can, you can only call it you know, you know, punishable uh, with consequences in a religious system. So there's a whole set of rules that make us feel that, of course, we need to judge ourselves first because there's so many standards of behavior for a person who, even if a person's not Jewish, but if, certainly if a person's Jewish and he has all of these laws... Right, or whatever religion the person is following they have all these laws that they need to f- they need, they need to comply with right they need to go a- accept the justice of their own actions vis-a-vis how they've affected their relationship with God how they have affected the relationship with themselves with others that it's much more of a sensitive relationship that we're judging about
0: so what you're saying is that the di- the main differences between a justice system in a um, government area that is that with, without religion and one that a religious system is that there's a lot more to be judged within a religious system on a personal level. Like the government won't, there, there are not enough rules and not that there aren't enough, but the government will not create, um, rules about a lot of things that are very personal to you because that's just too much. It's, un, it's unreasonable. It, Right, they have attack to attack people's it. liberties and whatever. They, they have
1: to construe it in Western law. They have to construe your activity as being antisocial in one way or another, in order for them to um, to feel that it's you know that it's uh, punishable.
0: Right, but in a court system, in a religious system, you're saying because w- there's a there's a level of minute detail because we're considering that everything that we do affects our relationship with God, our relationship with you, and that in itself is all part of the religion, and therefore, it all has to be measured and balanced.
1: Right. There's a lot more to balance in a religious system. Um, So, for example, even, you know, you have Iran that will punish homosexuals. They'll even hang them, right? Now, that means that they believe in one way or another, that um, you can't be a homosexual in Iran because that destroys the fabric of our society. So you're a threat to society. Mm-hmm. So any system that's going to punish, that's going to penalize somebody for doing something that you would think is somewhat of a private matter, it's because they're construing it as something that's a public matter.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, the Torah itself says very often that when there is... Capital punishment that's applicable, viartaharamikirbecha. You have to rid yourself of evil, right from your midst, which basically means it's a public issue. That you know, I'm just saying that in religious systems, what's private becomes public in that sense if it's punishable. Mm-hmm. Then there's the private that's private. Even in a religious system, that's between you and God, and that's the justice that we're talking about. The, the you know, the wider sense of justice, And a person needs to be, uh, you know, willing to accept upon themselves in a day of reckoning, like on Rosh Hashanah, where a person's saying, "I want to come, I want to be one hundred percent consequential with what I am, with what I do. I don't want to hide it from myself. I want to, I want to recognize it, and I want to do what I can to to improve it." Right, um, but just going back to the original point, I think. I just. Want, I think today we want to make one point. Um, generally speaking, when we think of justice, especially if it's justice for me, it's not very. It's not. It's not such an exciting thing. We <laughs> go through this all the time, you know, every year because we go into the day of Rosh Hashanah is a day of reckoning, and if a person really, really believes that he's going into. a... Day of reckoning on himself. It's not. It's not a very happy. It's not a very positive feeling that's engendered. It's. It's like who wants to be scrutinized, right? You know, we want to scrutinize ourselves at our own pace and in our own way and with our own intensity. We don't want somebody else looking at us. You know, saying we're thoroughly embarrassed if somebody would look at exactly what we do all day, and scrutinize it.
0: Mm-hmm. We wouldn't
1: want other people to know exactly what we're doing all the time.
0: I'm not uh, sure what we're doing, what we're thinking. <laughs> right.
1: But yet, we try to get that in our minds when it comes to Rosh Hashanah, as if that, you know, God is certainly a lot more advanced than cameras. But ca- today, cameras, uh, there's so much on camera that you don't even know that you're being filmed. Like I just saw yesterday on the news, you know, somebody w- was accused of like a ag- ag- aggravated assault. And they, there was a camera in the elevator. So the entire assault was, you know what I'm saying, the person didn't even know. But there's cameras everywhere. So we have a better idea of what it means that your entire life is really at least on camera. Your entire life, you just don't, we just don't like thinking about it. But really, it's all there. Mm -hmm. The big eye in the sky. But again, that's not the main point I want to get to. I want to get to the, uh, the main point by... Uh, with a line from my 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 mentor and teacher Rebbe Shmuel Yaakov Weinberg, um, who used to say like this, he used to he used to always say these big statements, and in regards to this parsha, he always used to say, "What is what was the worst, most devastating thing that happened to us when we were exiled from the land of Israel?" What was the most devastating thing that happened to us in our state of exile, in our state of uh, leaving our home, and everything that it meant—the destruction of the temple, the destruction of our commonwealth, living amongst the nations, losing everything—twice. What was the the biggest uh, tragedy? You know, was the thing that the most devastating, the one that affects us. Um, very deeply so I don't know if you want to take a stab at it because I'm sure you're I I don't think unless it's because of the conversation you know you might be going in a certain direction the context of the conversation but normally when I ask this question to people um, cold everybody goes in every different direction
0: I was gonna say clarity that's what I was going to say. Talking
1: about like a, you're talking about an emotion or a feeling. or, a, He's talking about like a a thing.
0: No, I, I think clarity is very much a thing. I, I'm saying we lost Navua, We lost... Prophecy. Pro, yeah, we lost prophecy. We lost the, the... When you're in, there's just... When you're in, in your own place, there's just so much more of a feeling of belonging. There's, there's so much about... Clarity as a people and what was right and what was wrong that we lost when we left because there's just so much less connection.
1: Um, okay, so let's stop there. So it could be you're flowing into this idea look there's no one right answer, but this is what he felt. He felt that the the greatest the most devastating loss was the loss of the Sanhedrin, the mm. loss of the Supreme Court of the Jewish people, right because the loss of the Supreme Court, the loss of the Supreme Court means so much more than we think as if like, just, you know, this body or maybe even a semi-governing body. It's not just that because there are other systems of governance as we've seen. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's others and we've replaced, so, so to speak, like prophecy as well. Prophecy has been replaced by study of Torah and people become illuminated much more personally by the, through the study of Torah. Right. But. Mm-hmm. The question is what What did we lose by losing the Supreme Court of the jewish people <clears throat> and the And the answer is that we 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 we've lost uh clarity like you're saying in many different ways, but starting from the basics when when disputes can't be settled because there's a final say in the matter right then that opens up all kinds of confusion right confusion and um, dissonance and discord right and discussion as they say in Spanish discussion which is like arguments unresolved arguments right um, and arguments which create divisiveness splits you know uh, lack of harmony mm-hmm and, and ultimately, the thing that needs to keep us together, which is the, the, the Torah and the understanding of the Torah, because that's what keeps us together, he, you know, even in the state that it's in, it's been probably the most important factor to keep the Jewish people together over all the years of exile. It also is, is not as strong as it could possibly be because it becomes the source of divisiveness.
0: Right. That was like an, a light way to say it, but I was going to say I think that most arguments within, well, I'm not going to say most because I'm not a researcher, but I think that many arguments um, and splits and fights and divisions are mostly based on understanding of, of the Torah and what we think we're supposed to be doing and what we think other people are not supposed to be doing. Well,
1: I don't know. I mean, I would say most of them are, are based on ego. <laughs> they're, they're based on people's ego and not willing to. They're,
0: disguised they're, behind. Yeah.
1: But 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 because but because the interpretation and the understanding of the Torah is important, is which is something that we can redeem from this whole, you know, phenomena. Because ultimately, if we didn't care about it, then nobody would be arguing about it. As you see, with people that aren't, you know, Torah believers, they couldn't care less. The Torah means this to them; it's just a quaint document. But if it's part of your life, and and it, you really need to know what it means, in order to live your life, and you could come to believe that somebody could be totally misled, and and misunderstanding the Torah. You know, it's it it's a totally it's a totally different notch when it comes to you know discussions and arguments and and uh, you know because you know, you're not you're not talking about like you know the Mets or the Yankees are a better team. You're talking about which could also be pretty passionate amongst New Yorkers, but you could be you're talking about something that has you know if you're a believer. it's... T- It's big. It's huge. I mean, we almost have a tradition that you could find all the way back in the Talmud of rabbis getting, you know, pretty hot under the collar about what the meaning of things are and what the meaning of mitzvot are and how the things should be carried out and how to carry out justice, etc., where they become pretty expressively, you know, almost aggressive, I guess we could say, against each other because they really felt... That they were fighting for, like what we call milchama tashem. It's like the God's wars, and for the Jewish people, God's wars isn't picking up a sword necessarily, and you know, killing the infidel. It's uh, it's about des- deciding and elucidating what the Torah means.
0: What the truth, what the truth is.
1: You no, know, those are big words, but yeah. But, but in essence,
0: that's what. That's why people get so intense because this is. Right. You believe that you're fighting for the truth.
1: Right. It's, it's, it's that, I mean, you're touching on something else that I'm, I've been reading about, which is um, a book by uh, a fellow named Halbert Howell about the difference of opinion between um, Maimonides and Nachmanides about exactly what is the rabbinic uh, responsibility vis-à-vis interpretation of the Torah. And it's very, very, very interesting, and has far-reaching consequences. I think if more people knew it, they wouldn't—they would—they would get totally blown out of the water. It's like very, very far-reaching, um, and you see how those that difference of opinion, like a thousand years ago, you know, plays itself out today. It's very, very interesting.
0: We can put the yeah, link and name in the description.
1: <clears throat> but we want to get to over here is that. The idea of justice and the justice system is very far-reaching, and if we had an appreciation of what it is, of how important it is, we would, we would embrace it more. As a lot of times, people wake up in the morning, and say, "What's missing?" We say, "Well, this is missing, that is missing," but we take so for granted. a Justice system, you know, when things, when you feel there's no justice, that's when. Um, society starts to unravel as you see you know when there's chaos then there's anarchy and when there's anarchy then nobody ends up on top for any period of time and It just becomes survival of the fittest and it's very bad we say a prayer for the government in every sidur, pretty much is uh, you know, on Shabbat, at least in, 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 traditionally, they would say a prayer for all the governments that have a stable government, because the govern—if you know, like like the Mishnah says—if it wasn't for a government, people would swallow each other alive. Right. <clears throat> um, so, so that's one thing: government, government, justice. In our system of government, um, with something that we can lament deeply, uh, certainly in the in the prism. Of of my mentor, it was like the most devastating loss. It has the f- most far-reaching um, consequences to our existence, that we don't have a, a final say. We don't have a, a final word as far as uh, understanding of the Torah. I hear that. So we don't have a normative halacha. We just have, I mean, we can express why I think why we think that that is so devastating, but I think I think for now that's, we'll just leave it like that. It's the amount of chil Hashem just uh, that happens because of it, the amount of uh, disgrace that comes to the Jewish people because of it, and because we don't speak in one voice. It used to be when we were together, we spoke as one voice. If it's possible to imagine speaking of one voice, even though you know two Jews, ten opinions that would never change that was never different but at the end of the day you knew that there was one voice mm-hmm. that the, 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 the court the, the Supreme Court would decide and that would be the law period right and um, without having that it's just there's no resolution so it almost creates I mean it does create a sense of chaos in the law and if it right. wouldn't it wouldn't be that each person personally felt a responsibility to being as honest as possible to the interpretation of the law, we'd have, it would be a much worse situation than we already have. Right. But the discord and the disharmony and all that that you feel today, you can tag it on the fact that we don't have a, a central court. And we don't have a central court because even though today we could also make a central court, we could do it. It's just that we, you need consensus.
0: Right I think it, we're coming down to the lack of lack of unity the lack of a a central uh, justice system which in, in essence brings brings unification right where that is what But we're it's like seeing. which comes
1: first it's like the chicken or the egg it's right. you need consensus to create the the supreme court because who's going to sit on the supreme court and you need the supreme court to create something that would create consensus like unity Mm-hmm. And people just working together for the common good for everyone. Uh, this is where we need to go. But I um, just want to throw in two more things in the spirit of where, where we're at in, in Elul, in the month before Rosh Hashanah. Um, one of the famous questions, especially when you're talking about religious justice, so you're talking about justice before God, which ultimately in the Torah, even civil, civic justice is considered justice before God because so it's a God it's a God system um, where we understand that there's limits to there's limits to what we can do as a court and those limits are kind of covered by the fact that the courts are need to understand that God in the end is the final justice as we do what we can to establish order but then, in the end, after that, you know, God is the one who ultimately makes the final arbitration of what happens. And that and that um, is used in different scenarios and laws in the Torah to explain certain things. Like there's certain laws that are very difficult to understand. That if you w- wouldn't have a God idea inside, you know, implicit in the law, you would say that. Wait a second, we're not doing enough to cover all the bases. But you say, well, we have to be humble enough to understand that God is. Part of this process And we're, the, the Torah is dictating That up to here you can go But then afterwards you just have to leave it in God's hands so you're, certain, you're
0: referring to certain Laws where the, A person's action aren't Punishable maybe to the extreme Or to the extent that we would think is real justice Because there's this understanding that God is the true judge And that everyone will get their just Desserts
1: right. So there's certain limits to argumentation that you can make So as you can say like well um, if this is if this is true and this gets p- p- capital punishment, this which is much worse, should certainly get get capital punishment, but the torah doesn 't spell it out mm-hmm. yet you can 't make that ipso facto you can 't make that logical conclusion so it doesn 't make much sense why can 't you do that? Mm-hmm. There are certain limitations that the Torah puts on, especially when it comes to corporal punishment or like the you know where the where the court itself has to be very uh, has to intervene very heavily into people's lives, like with punishments and things like that. That's where the Torah kind of makes it reserves certain spaces to to make the judges understand that they're not the final arbiters in what's right. justice and what's not. That's also an important part to to point to point out. Right. But along those lines, when especially when it comes to personal justice in front of God, there's the concept of mercy. Right? So there's this famous question of you know, divine mercy, which should be, of course, manifest in human courts, but we always sp- speak of God's divine mercy and justice. There's justice and mercy. So how does justice and mercy coincide? Right? If if there's mercy, then we, there's no justice. And if there's justice, there's no mercy. That's normally the way we think about it.
0: I disagree, though.
1: Okay. <laughs> but well, well, let me explain it. I mean, justice means, like you said... There's absolute consequences to your actions, right? So if a person did this and the, and the consequences is that, so then they should need to get it. If it means that they're going to get their head lopped off or whatever it is, then, they, then that's what happens to them. And mm-hmm. mercy somehow staves off that justice.
0: Or does it? I'm saying I think that there... I, I would like to make the point that the existence of justice is a mercy to us because like, as we were discussing this whole time until now, the absence of justice is chaos. Yeah, but anarchy and everyone, strong, fit, strongest of the fittest, fittest of the strong. What is it? Survival of the fittest. Yeah. Um, and that in itself would be horrible. So I think what really we're discussing here isn't if the existence of justice means that there's no mercy or that the existence of mercy means that there's no justice. I think that we're discussing more of that gray area where how much justice does God truly show us and whether that um, softening of justice or that softening of modifying of something equals mercy?
1: Yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what it's saying. Like, really, you know, in front of God, you know, you could argue that like we're like really, really, really sorely lacking stuff if we would be more conscious of what we're doing, we, you know, we would realize that we need to do much more or we, or we need to not do thing, right? We're not... Uh, you understand? But if if you're going to say um, there is justice, so then it should has to be applicable all the time. It can't be applicable sometimes. But yet mercy says, well, it doesn't have to happen now, it could happen later. There's the different traditional ways, like in the Missyot al in the book of Luzzato, lutzato who speaks about the the rec- how do you reconcile mercy with justice right um, i know what you're saying you're saying that you, we should feel that really justice itself is a mercy but it's already tapered with justice with mercy in other words the the justice that we feel is happening by god is already it's not it, pure justice right it already incorporates mercy mhm Right, so that in and of itself should be something that makes us look at justice with, uh, with eyes of a little bit more like welcoming. In other words, we should, we should welcome the idea of justice more if it's a divine justice. And it, actually there, there are many different, the different you know, verses in the Torah that try to make us understand that, that actually justice given to the hands of people alone is actually much more cruel and arbitrary right. as opposed to justice in the hands of God because justice in the hands of God is tapered with mercy and understanding and much more understanding of who you are You know, than, than a person who has no idea of who you are, what you are, where you come from. And there's no absolute justice. There's just, you're right. given laws, which is what we hate about laws, that they're so arbitrary and they just apply... And nobody and cares don't about you. they not take into
0: consideration you. about how you were feeling that day and what was happening. Clearly nobody <laughs>
1: cares about you, really, it's because they have to do the law and they have to maintain society. And you can understand that and appreciate it, but you certainly don't love it. Mm-hmm. But, but when you talk about divine justice, we should really love it because part and parcel of the divine justice, which incorporates mercy, is that which understands you for you as you go right and that's what creates the mercy the mercy is that yeah the truth of the matter is a person that does this or doesn't do that or da, 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 deserves this but you is as you go well there's a whole different story there
0: right meaning the the God's justice is so much it's is infinitely more merciful than a human's um, justice because God has intimate knowledge of each person and each individual and isn't bound by lack of knowledge, which, mean, which means that we have to assume things, right? The reason we have laws is because, and we don't care about people's circumstances, because there's it would be impossible for us to really be able to make proper judgments based right. on that. But God being God, God looks at you and, and can judge with absolute fairness and justice and mercy on a very personal level. Right.
1: So if you can get to that zone, so that's why we when we get to the, to the day of judgment of Yom Rosh Hashanah, takes preparation but if you get there with this mindset so then you're like happy you know you're joyful in mm-hmm. it's a day of joy with some measure you know it's not the same joy that we express on other, in other uh, holidays but it, it has that measure of joy because you come in like 100% confident it's like you're walking into a room with the people that lo- love you most and okay, you know exactly. that they have to talk to you about something important and something perhaps even severe but you know, you're 100% sure you're like, that there's no arbitrariness here and that, they, and that they really love you 100%. And whatever they decide for you is for your best. So that is, that's where that comes from. I just want to add one last thing, and that is that when it comes to this feeling um, towards judgment that we have this like, kind of latent uh, desire to avoid justice, for especially for ourselves, um, is comes from um, I think can be corrected when we talk about like what are you supposed to do about the fact that we're facing a day of justice. So we always talk about teshuvah, right? Teshuva was, was uh, repentance or returning or whatever it is. And when you look into the laws of teshuvah, um, we also have this reticence, like we also have this like lack of like oh man, it's like. Oh, it's too much. you know. And I think what the underlying issue is that when we think of justice and we think about repentance or we think about, you know, Teshuvah, particularly in the concept of the Torah, we're thinking that, like, I got to go into my past. I got to dredge it up. up. Right. I got to dredge it up. And like the same thing when you walk into a court, like here we are talking about me. And the things that I've done or I haven't done. And uh, it's painful because like what's the basic underlying, you know, intrinsic pain of of, discomfort when we're talking about the past is I can't do anything about the past. It's in the past. So you feel almost like put on because let's talk about something that you have no control over and you made a mistake about. And there it is. And you're just sitting there as a bystander, almost looking at your actions and your, what you've done in the past. And you're like, you're also like, and somehow it's connected to you. And when it was somehow, it's you who did it. So like, that's it. You're just sitting there as a bystander. And I think the problem with that is, is that that's not the concept in the Torah. The Torah is saying, when you walk into a court, for example, they're not. they have the responsibility not to look at you as any less than they. The judges, right? You're just as much of an upstanding citizen as they are. That's their attitude. What they're here for is to correct from now and on. What do we do now? Mm -hmm. Forward, looking forward, right? We believe in you, right? But what are we going to do now? Because there's something that's, that's stuck to you right now that impinges on your ability to be a good citizen a good this or this or a better relationship if it's in front of god a better relationship with god in other words you have like this you're coming into the the meeting but your shirt's got stains all over it right so it's with you now you can look at it you can see it right Mm
0: -hmm.
1: so now what are we going to do It's proactive. It's a proactive stance. Teshuvah is a proactive stance. Looking towards the future, what are you going to do about it now, vis-a-vis the future? How are you going to make sure that your future looks good? Right. So it's a different, I feel that that small paradigm shift, or way of thinking of it, actually helps a lot.
0: Meaning instead of thinking about looking in the past, dredging up something and like revisiting it and then being like, oh, that was bad and now we can come back to now. There's this understanding that what I did in the past is with me now. It's not something that I have to go and search for, but it's with me right now. It's on my shirt, it's, it's in my face, it's in my personality, it's in the actions that I'm doing today. And it's currently still even now affecting the way my future is going to be. So tshuva would mean to look at myself how I am now, essentially and decide how I would like to move forward in a way that is better than what the consequences of the me now would be.
1: Right. It's it's like the difference that, this is going to sound a little bit uh, mundane, but it's like the difference between why people would rather, I would say, would rather visit a coach than a psychologist or a psychoanalyst, right? To be in the mood to go see a psychoanalyst for like two years is to like, you know, go back to your roots and your... Path how you grew up and like dredging up things about your past which may or may not help you Um, but it's and i'm not casting aspersions on that whole uh, that whole profession but i'm just saying it's it's something you need a lot of energy to do and most people are reticent to do it right Mm -hmm. because what do i what what am i like the past is in the past and there is something to be said about that what you need to do when you want to go into a, a justice, when you want to accept justice on yourself, what you need to do is look at yourself now with an honest eye. Right? You know what you did in the past. It's not about going there and like trying to figure out what you were thinking and what you were doing and how it was. You have to see what did, what's on you now. What, what do you look like now vis-a-vis the future? What do you want to be? What, what are your real... This is, of course, part of the recipe. What are your real aspirations? And that in itself, you need to be able to scrutinize on your on your own self. In other words, mm-hmm. if your aspirations are like, hey, I used to have aspirations that were like very spiritual, very lofty, very ambitious, and now they're kind of like... Mediocre. I can't even get my, an aspiration out of my mind, like into my present mind, because it's just I don't even think aspirations anymore. I'm just like trying to survive, mm-hmm. right? Or, or you know, I used to want to learn all kinds of things and study all kinds of things and do all kinds of things and be there for other people, and now I just don't even think of that, right? Right. It's a good one. So, so then you say to yourself, well, why? What happened to all my aspirations and my dreams, so to speak, for myself? That is where you know that there are stains. Those stains are the ones that have brought you down into a place where, and that's what you need to do tshuva about. The tshuva automatically will take into consideration what has been done in the past, because those accumulations from the past are the things that are weighing you down and making you into a person you don't want to be.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and sometimes it's even deeper than that sometimes the person just says like I'm not even sure if I know what I want to be anymore right like I'm not even you know I I think my past has weighed me down so much that I've like I've lost the whole the whole like get what you know maximize my life thing like what are my set of beliefs do do are my beliefs strong within me or I'm just going with the flow.
0: Right. Well I really I really like that paradigm shift. I'm like really excited about it. <laughs>
1: good. Oh good. Good. I saw it on your face a little bit. Yeah. I think it's like a small change, but it's a big difference. And it's it's good to talk about it in the context of justice because also when a person walks into a court, I think when I was thinking about it I realized that people just despise it because like, oh, here I am, I'm all my th- the things that I did that the person himself probably realizes that they were mistakes most of the time. And if they don't, well, it's even worse. But the point is, the mistakes that, they, that they've done are going to be you know, displayed for everyone to see. And right now, I'm totally defenseless and vulnerable. There's nothing I can do about it now. And even if I say, well, I'm sorry, everybody always looks at that like, oh, nice try. <laughs> right. Well, what are you going to do about it? And the person thinks... That, yeah, there's really nothing I can do about it now. I can only change who I am and how I act going forward. That will be a different me, and then you'll see a different me in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. I, ideally, the idea of rehabilitation that's what it's about. You when know, a person's sent to jail, he, should, he has to rehabilitate so that he actually does things differently.
0: Right. I just really like that because it, it really does uproot this belief that. Chuva means you're going to go sit in a corner and like think about all the bad things that you've done and like get yourself to this place of remorse and like, oh, that was so horrible when I did that and like I'm not going to do it again. I just
1: It's kind of typical. Like I said, right. I'm not, I'm, this is not the last word on chuva. I mean, mm-hmm. there, are, there are plenty sources and, and authors that are of great fame and renown that will say that. Like, mm-hmm. Rabbeinu Yona, for example. It seems when you read it, that's what he's saying. I mean, you, know, you know Shari Tshuva, the classic work on chuva will say that there's this idea of going back and trying to dredge up what you did or what you didn't do and like going there like going into it.
0: Well I think there I think there is the difference and it even attaches to what you were saying about coaches and therapists like I think there's value in both I think there it's just the matter of, how to go about it, what's gonna What's
1: going to create the best product in the end? Like, what's more real, meaning realistically I, done?
0: I think you need both of them, but, like, I, I think the beauty of this is that <clears throat> to look at myself now and to know where I want to go gives me immediate action and a place to start and motivation, and it doesn't um, pull me into this place of, of, you know, almost quicksand where, like, how am I even going to get out of this? Like, but I feel like to... to um, to put aside the work that does need to get done, um, about the, going back to the roots and, and being, becoming aware and processing and, and, um, delving into what was done, I think is a necessary part because that, that's a really big component in true remorse and, and allowing yourself to, to feel, um, in this, in therapy or psychology, that the emotions that, are very healing sometimes, or, or very necessary. But if we're taking it back to tshuva, part of tshuva really is to feel remorse and guilt. But I think that th- you need this duality, where right now I want the the person I'm becoming is not who I want to be, and from that I'm going to to return to a better place, to a better me, to a better um, better decisions, better higher awareness, whatever it is. Um, and while you do that I think that the the need to uh, to really um, take the time to really think deeply on a deeper level and to allow yourself to go back and to feel is also an important aspect but I think that they can be done uh, simultaneously in different increments and I think that it's that, that's it's what i'm trying to explain like a personal it's
1: a it's a way it's a different way to get there that's mm-hmm. what i'm saying it's like it's like if you if you're when you think about yourself now if you think deeply enough about what it is you are now and where it is you want to go and and you question yourself you will you should get back to the errors that you've made in the past right but it's not it's not like you don't start there you mm-hmm. start like okay I'm sitting down on my desk because I'm going to go back into all the mistakes I made this year. First of all, it doesn't usually work. Second of all, it certainly doesn't have the same meaning. Any, because it's almost like, well, you, you have this g- general... You did it already. Unders- Yeah, it's what it was, was. It's, 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 that's the way we function. Right. I mean, that's the way human beings function. If we didn't function that way, if we would constantly have everything present that we did in the past up front, we, I don't think we would be able to survive. Right. We forget things. You know, that's the way we move. Mm-hmm. Um, we're constantly evolving in a sense. So so it, going with that flow is more like, I think, more natural to say, this is where I am. This is where I want to go. And that's it. And therefore, when you when you ask yourself clearly, you know, wh- where is it that I want to go? And why is it that it's not exactly resonating with me anymore? And because it doesn't make sense with what I used to want to do or or where I think I, I'm Cheating myself out on. If you go deep into that and you double click, you usually find that because, oh, you know, I think I kind of ruined my aspirations by getting involved in this and getting involved in that and cutting corners there and cutting corners there, right. cheating myself, cheating others, mm-hmm. etc.
0: Wow, lovely. All right. So <laughs> that was I found a really enlightening also exciting conversation. I am, I'm leaving with like a lot of fun things to think about. Um, and we hope that you also found that this conversation was cool and thoughtful and gives you a lot of things to think about. Um, and we'll be talking to you next week. Catch you later. And that's a wrap, my friends. We hope that our conversation inspired you and gave you something to chew on. Please send us your feedback, questions, comments, topics you'd be interested in discussing, and even triggers so we can generate more relevant and meaningful conversation. You can contact us at fdhp.feedback at gmail.com. And we are wishing you a blessed week, and we'll catch you next time.